from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to the Home Team Pub. We're on Facebook Live. We're, of course, here at the Home Team Pub on location 7990 Oswego Road in Liverpool, New York, right off of Route 57. And, of course, we're on Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT, where you can watch the show every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. We're here with Liverpool Boys Soccer. You can't see all the gentlemen here, but give yourselves a round of applause and hands out here for you we have Mike Salinas with us here, and we have head coach Paul Bonus. Paul, how are you doing today? Doing great, thanks. You? Doing well. Mike, I heard you're quiet. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing very well. Is this a first for you? Uh, definitely. All right, all right. Fair enough. So tell me about this season. You guys are still alive. You're in the semis right now. Just what you could say about this season up to this point. Um, I think the whole year, the whole team knew that the, we had a lot of potential. Uh, in the beginning of the season, we performed pretty poorly, but I think at the end of the season, we're playing pretty well now, and everyone has trust in each other. What would you attribute to, like you said, you started off poorly, but you got stronger now. Is it that trust, or is there something else as well with that? Well, I think that uh, at the end of the season, there was like a lot of pressure on us to perform, perform eventually, where in the beginning of the season, there wasn't, and I think everyone just performed under that pressure. Coach, what would you say about that? You, you heard Mike say that started off a little bit slow, started to ramp up more recently. Would you agree with that? I think Mike's thoughts and you know how he's looking at it is, is really good, that we definitely were not good in the beginning of the year, and uh, our backs were definitely to the wall, and we had something to, that we needed to play for, and there's definitely a lot more trust. And when you win a game, you feel good, then you win two, you win three, and it starts to just keep going, and people start to play a lot better. You and I were talking off the air that this is season 10 because nine years not being the head coach this year, stepping into that role. What has that done for you? Bring me into that transition for you into the head coaching role this year. Well, there's a lot more responsibilities, that's for sure. And you have to lean on a lot more people to get some things done. But it's been an eye-opening for me. I've learned a lot as the season has gone on. Um, you know, before when I was with Doug Nunn, who has you know, been in the program for 30 years, I learned a lot from him, but you can't learn everything and you kind of have to sort of feel your way through as you go. And, um, you know, there were times throughout the season where I had to take a look at myself and say, am I really doing the right thing? What changes can I make? And so it's been a growing season for me being the head coach because really all the pressure is on you and you're the decision maker. Having this season start off the way that it did, losing six of the first seven games, what did what did you learn from that adversity? Well, I walked out one day at practice. I'm not sure what our record was. And, uh, you know, it was the definition of insanity, to be honest with you. I kept trying to do the same thing and putting the same players out there and expecting a different result. And I said, we have to make some changes. We have to do some different things. And, um, you know, we, we started to play better. You know, we had three games where we definitely did not play well, if you look at our results. But you look at all of our other results, we're in just about every game. We're in just about every other game. So we were right there, you know, and, um, you know, the ball never bounced our way during the season. 
uh, referee calls never went our way during the season. And then, you know, we started to get some things to bounce our way, and it was much better. Mike, Mike, what would you say about what you learned on the field in those first seven games, losing six and, and trying to find a way, trying to find your footing? You know, this team finds their positive stride, which you're in right now. What did you learn from those first few games? Uh, well, different from the other years, this year being a captain, um, the result of the team like meant a lot more to me, and I had a lot more to do with it. So as a captain and with the other captains, we had to find a way to just bring everyone together, get focused. You're on a four-game winning streak right now. Outscored your opponents, I believe, nine goals to three in that four-game winning streak. Just what you could say about how the season started to where it is right now, winning four games in a row and having another opportunity coming up here this week. Um, I think it means a lot to everyone. I mean, in those games, they haven't the score nine to three. That might. They've all been close games, nevertheless. I mean, we've all had to work hard to get those results, and I think the whole team has grown much closer just in the past four games. Who pushes you the most on the team? Do you have somebody you can point to that, that really pushes you the most in practice? Um, it would have to be bonus, for sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good to know. I'm glad that he's <laughs> That's a good thing. That means I'm doing my job. It's That's good. good. When, when the head coach is pushing you the most, yeah. I guess, coach. Hey, Four-game winning streak, you just heard me talk with, with Mike about it. What are your thoughts on the fact that you know, you're in this winning streak? Obviously, it's, it's gone from the regular season into the postseason. And you're outscoring nine to three overall in these four games. Just what your takeaways have been from this winning streak? Well, you know when we lost to Beville and we sat down and we talked and we said, "Listen, this is our sectionals right now. Every game matters. You know, one loss and we're done." And we made some adjustments and moved some moved some players around, and the players really responded with their backs to the wall. And you know when we beat West Tennessee three to zero on their field. Um, we had something to really feel good about because to be honest with you, we didn't have much to feel good about up to that point. And, um, you know, all along with such a young team, we just kept saying, it, it's getting close, it's getting close, it's getting close. And finally things just started to click in that West Tennessee game. What finally broke when you said it, it kept getting closer and closer and closer? What was it? Is there something you can point to where that turn started to happen? Yeah, we found somebody to score goals. <laughs> uh, no, I, and, and, I'm, and I'm being serious. I, we, you know, if you look at the West Tennessee game, um, you know, we didn't give up any goals. And then, you know, we, Jack Pantu is one of our senior captains. He, you know, we played him at center back the majority of the year. And then we said we had to make a decision and we moved him up front and shuffled some things around. And that made a difference because that gave us a little bit more attack going forward. And then sometimes when you just make one or two changes, it changes the whole chemistry of the team. For you to see where this team is at right now, how dangerous, in your opinion, is Liverpool at this moment with everything you've been through this season? I don't think you want to play us. I mean, and I'm being serious with you right now. I think we're starting to reach our full potential. So you look at our record, and our record is not indicative of really how good we are. And there's still a lot more potential that's out there. Um, you know, we just had you know, by far one of the biggest wins in program history on Tuesday or last week when we beat when we beat FM. And I think that's given us a lot of confidence. Mike, you just heard your head coach say you don't want to play Liverpool. How does it make you feel to have that type of faith from your head coach and do you agree? Um I think it means a lot. Like 
Bonus is pretty tough on us. Every day in practice, all the time. May say some stuff you don't want to hear, but let's hear that he has faith in us. Uh, feels really good. And I think what he's saying is true. Uh, the whole year we struggled with a lot of injuries, uh, a bunch of players, and to finally have everyone healthy and a lot of momentum with the last four wins, I, I think you don't want to play us. I'm going to put you guys in a hot seat in just a couple minutes in rapid fire, but you get to put me there as well. Before we do that, I ask all of the programs what it means to be a warrior, specifically a Liverpool warrior. I'm going to ask you that, Mike. What, would it, what does it mean to you? Um, to be a warrior, well, ever since I've been in the Liverpool program, it's always about working hard and giving 110% every single day and having faith in your coaches and their decisions and giving them as much respect as possible. You're a captain. How do you feel you earned that? Did coach tell you why? Is it something that you've just tried to figure out this season yourself, why you were given that honor, that opportunity? What would you say about being a captain and, and why you think you got there? Um, one of the factors is just um, my experience on the team. I mean, this is my third year on the team. I've been waiting to play a bigger role. And I think he knew that I wanted to be a captain, that I wanted to be a bigger part of the team. And I, I think he wanted me to prove what I could be as a captain. Coach, tell me the why. Why is Mike Salinas a captain? Well, sometimes as a coach you have to take responsibility for decisions that you make, and sometimes they're not always the, the best ones. And so when Mike was a freshman, he came into tryouts, and he did really well, and Coach Nunn and I decided to keep him on the, the team as a freshman. And unfortunately, he didn't get a lot of playing time, and, and I think that that frustrated him somewhat. And, um, you know, he came back in his sophomore year, and he started every game, and he showed a lot of growth and tenacity and, you know, just how important he is to the program. And then, uh, you know, Mike and I really – created a, a really great relationship at the end of his sophomore year when Doug was leaving and he just proved to me that he could be a leader just things that he was doing he never missed an off-season training he, did, he came to camp he was just always there and he showed me that he was committed just like Jack and, and Adam the other two captains who you know we'll bring up here but he just showed his commitment level and it was a no-brainer to me that I knew I could get two great years of leadership out of Mike you hear those words what are, what are those man um, I think it speaks to the, the relationship we've built. I mean, to be honest, when I was a freshman or even in the beginning of my sophomore year, we never really saw eye to eye all the time. But I think now by the end of this year, I think we definitely understand each other more and we definitely have a better relationship. Would you agree, Coach? Uh, 100%. Yeah, fair enough. So I'm going to ask this to go off of that. Mike? How would you describe Paul Bonus? He could be tough at times and say some things that might not make sense, but there's a meaning behind all of his words. Okay. And at the end of it, end of the day, he just he cares about you and he cares about your future and like um, what you're capable of. Coach, describe Mike Salinas. Uh, Mike is like an onion. You kind of have to peel back a little bit of a layer at a time to be very honest with you. And, and you have to understand Mike. And I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't have been able to understand Mike had I not 
um, had lots of conversations with people who understand Mike, to, to be quite honest with you. And um, Mike is talking the most I've ever heard him talk, and he's so comfortable up here, which is so great to see, I have to tell you. Uh, but he is very much like a silent leader to speak, but he, um, yeah. Mike has a lot to offer, and I think he's starting to find that with himself, how much he actually has to offer, and he's coming out, which is great to see. Awesome. So we are here once again with Mike Salinas as well as head coach Paul Bonus. This is the first part of a three-part series we're doing tonight with the Liverpool High School Warriors soccer team as they are in the postseason, in the thick of things with a game on October 30th. It's time to go on the hot seat, but in fairness, I put you on the hot seat. You guys also can put me on the hot seat. So I don't know any other broadcaster that's going to do that, so we're going to make that happen. Mike, I'm going to ask you a question. We're going to go back and forth here, so you'll eventually get one from me. My first question for you, what is the worst punishment your parents have ever given you? And what did you do? His mom is squirming more than he is. <laughs> she must know. She's got to know. Moms don't forget, right? Worst punishment. I don't get in trouble. <laughs> All right. Is that your well, answer? I mean, I mean, in third grade, I may have gotten in a fight with one of my friends and Punched him in the nose by accident <laughs> on the bus. Uh, I'm pretty sure I was in trouble for a while after that. Okay. I remember specifically being in the principal's office, and she was home specifically just that day to get the call from the principal. Uh, that was in fun. All right, fair enough. But you've been good since then. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Okay. All right, coach. Favorite childhood memory. Favorite. Childhood memory. Yes, sir. Wow. Uh, well, you know, I have a lot of them. I grew, wow, spending summers uh, at my great aunt's camp in the St. Lawrence River. Uh, my mom would pick me up every day in the last day of school, and I'd go all the way, I'd go up there all the way till Labor Day. Favorite childhood memory. And then, obviously, riding my bike around, playing soccer, and doing all that stuff, but those are some great childhood memories of mine. Fair enough. All right, so we'll go back and forth here, so you got one for me now. What made you want to go into broadcasting? Oh, jeez. I kind of fell in love with it when I was 10. So I was watching Stuart Scott. I always had a passion for sports. And I've always, I come from an Italian, Hispanic family, so we talk a lot. So it was just kind of, I mean, I would sit around the table and I would just kind of, I would look at statistics and I have a photographic memory. So I just started like spewing them off to my parents and they would like it for 10 minutes. And then they go, okay, that's enough. And I just kind of, I always love bringing people together and telling people stories. So I've always been a storyteller since I was like five. My dad gave me his, no, kids aren't going to know this, but word processor, which is the glorified typewriter with yes. that little screen. And so my dad gave that to me. And when I was five years old, I was typing stories. So I've always been a storyteller. And, you know, I, I, I'm not afraid to, to be on the microphone. I, I think that it's something that, it's weird because to me, everybody, everybody's capable of doing it in my brain. But, you know, it's, I think there's an art to it. I think that it changes all the time. And every day of my show, I think, is an open canvas. So I just like telling stories. It's great. I think it's fun. All right, Mike, what's your first one for me? Um, Make it good. 
Don't get me in trouble. Who's like uh, an idol for you or someone you look up to? Somebody I look up to. I'm going to say one alive and one that passed. My grandmother, my G-mama, best person in the world, honestly. I, I think that she didn't even take a break on the way to heaven. I think she just shot up there with probably within a millisecond. So she was unconditional love, support, morals, values, God, be a good person, treat people as good as you treat yourself, make sure you treat yourself well. Uh, she, I can't say enough. I really can't. I mean, if she was here right now, she would, she would have everybody laughing. Even at 100 years old, she was still giving me advice and still making me laugh, still playing cards with me. So I would say her, and I would say on the earth right now, my mom, because she may not say this, but I don't think anybody fights harder than she does. And so she teaches me how to fight every day. And she's a trooper. She's also the person I've been most terrified of. She's four foot eleven, scary as all get out. So never mess with my mom, never ever. And uh, no, but she's she's a special woman, and and she taught me how to. She taught me how to be. I think like being a good man is is how you treat a woman, and she taught me how to do that from when I was a baby. I mean, really, my whole life, she taught me how to be a respectful person. So I would have to say my mom too. So I'm gonna go to my second question for you, Mike. If you could switch lives with anyone in the world, who would you switch lives with and why? Anybody. Well, I would have to pick a footballer like Messi or Lionel Messi or something like that. I mean, okay. he's undoubtedly the best player in the world and just living that life of Getting to play what you love every single day, yeah. getting paid for that—I don't know. That's just a—I think that's a dream for a lot of kids, at least a lot of soccer players. All right, fair enough. I like it, Messi. That's good stuff. All right, Coach. I like this question. I'm going to go with it too. If you could trade places with anyone in the world, who would it be and why? Boy, I would probably. I don't know. That's really good. I would probably have to say like a Sir Alex Ferguson or someone along those lines that is one of the, you know, top five coaches of all time in, in soccer. You know, just okay. simply being around it at that level and, you know, being that well respected and being able to, to play with players at that, you know, coach players at that level, I think would be just so much fun and be great. All right, fair enough. Kept it with soccer here. You got one for me? Go ahead. Uh, your favorite childhood memory? Oh, my favorite childhood memory. Probably anything with my grandfathers, because they both passed when in '92 when I was six. So, just a rough year. And I, anything, honestly, anything with them. Going to the store, but the first time I ever drove a car, and I finally told my mom about this. Uh, 30 through 30 plus years into my life, but my grandfather let me drive when I was three He he put me on his lap. He let go of the wheel We were right by the James Street Wegmans going down with James Street on the right and he said the wheel is yours I got the pedals go ahead kid So he trusted I mean I, I did everything with them. My grandfather's always like Got us in trouble so to speak because they didn't listen to my grandma's but they were they were amazing. I mean, I remember one story with, with my dad's father. 
and we were we were watching WWF at the time, and I loved Jake the Snake, and so we're watching it, and my grandmother's cooking behind us, and you know, Italian Hispanic woman, she's in the kitchen like seven hours prepping everything, whatever. So she's behind us, and the kitchen's tight like this. So I'm sitting in like this high chair, and he's right behind me, and the TV's really tiny. It's probably like the size of the screen here, and we're watching wrestling. And so I start cheering because I got really into it. And my grandmother turns around and she goes, Ralph, turn that off. He doesn't need to be seeing that. It's violent. It's gruesome. So she wanted it off. So he goes, all right, Mayor, I'll turn it off. And he grabs the remote. And I look at him. And he looks at me. And I'm waiting for him to change it. And she's not paying any attention because she trusts him to do it. And he hit mute. But he didn't change it. And I looked up at him. And, he, and my grandfather didn't say much. He just went... <laughs> And we proceeded to watch, like, two hours of wrestling, which was awesome, and we never got in trouble for it. So I think anything with them. Perfect. Anything with them. All right, Mike, what do you got for me? Do you have any, like, crazy events that you learned an important lesson from in your teenage years? Anything like that? Crazy teenage year events that I learned something from. Wow. Hmm. Teenage years. Uh-huh. Oh, you know what? I'll tell you this. My semi-formals in school, I always brought a bad date. I was like the king of the bad date. I just brought these like really just not, you know, I don't even talk to these people anymore. So if I could go back in time, I would have went by myself with a bunch of my friends in a limo and just had fun that way. So if I could tell anybody anything, go to your semi-formal single. You're in your teens. You're not getting married. So go enjoy your life. Dance with your friends. Have a good time. Mike, I'm going to give you, because Coach will be back up here, I'm going to give you a bonus, ironically. So, I'm going to give you one more. What's your final question for me? You can put me on the hot seat one more. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> it's the first time I ever answered that question, I think, and that way. So, it was a good question you gave me. Well, he had time to think about that one. Yeah, he did. He, now, now you got to do it on the fly. Anything. Anything in the world. I have to answer it, unfortunately, because I put myself in that seat. We're just on live and people are watching you. It's, it's okay. Anything. If you could have... One dream job other than broadcasting, what would it be? Oh, that's tough. Okay, so before broadcasting, I've been writing music and singing my whole life. I also love comedy. I also love screenwriting and acting. So if I had to pick one of those, that's tough. At this point, because I've been asked a lot of times when am I going to do this, and it's, it's, it's kind of time. I think stepping on stage and being a comedian, letting that fly for a little while. I like it. Yeah, that'd be fun. I like, I like the thought of making a bunch of people laugh and traveling the world and having a good time with that. So with that being said, Mike Salinas, you are off the hot seat. Congratulations. Paul Bonus is coming back. He's got more work to do. This is Dan Satora. And can we clap a little bit louder for Mike because this is the most he's talked in his life. We did it. Good job, Mike. Awesome. Thank you, sir. All right, we'll be back in just a moment. All right, sounds good. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Hi, friends and fans. 
Home Team Pub is the place to be to cheer on your fave home team. Located at 7990 Oswego Road in Liverpool, HTP has you covered with an amazing drink selection. Let's not forget about the signature drinks or those kid-approved gourmet milkshakes. The happy hour specials and pub entrees will have your mouth watering. Check out the website, hometeampub.com, or follow us on Facebook and Instagram for more specials. At Home Team Pub, you're always the MVP. All right, we are back here, Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, on site, on location. We have Jack Pento with us now. They tell me that you have no problem talking. Is that true? Yes, that is true. Okay, so Jack is going to, see, I think Mike did a tremendous job. He did do a really good job. I, I think that him going first, he kind of set the bar a little he bit did. here. He Especially, especially because this is only the third time he's spoken publicly ever, if you told me. <laughs> yes, yes. So, we have Coach Paul Bonus as well. This is Liverpool boys soccer. The Warriors are in the thick of things. They're in the semis right now inside of the postseason. I'm your host, Dan Tortora. We are here every single month with Liverpool Athletics at the Home Team Pub on 7990 Oswego Road in Liverpool, New York, right off of Route 57. So I ask you, as you did for Mike and for Coach, please give... Jack, a round of applause now. Show Jackson live, Mr. Pento. We're going to jump right into it, Jack. Tell me something about Coach. How would you describe Coach? Um, Coach can get a little fiery sometimes. Me and him in games, we go back and forth a little bit. But at the end of the day, I know that he's always going to respect me like I respect him. Why am I sensing a pattern that the captains fight with Coach a lot? <laughs> Mike said he didn't get along with Coach, now he does. You fight with him all during the games and whatnot. Is that what it takes to be a captain? Um, I don't know, maybe in his eyes, but all right. I think it's just because um, he sees me as a leader, and I definitely respect all the things that he tells me to do. So. All right, so you respect him. Coach, you hear that, that he, he said you must see him as a leader. So how would you describe Jack Pento? Jack is... Uh, Jack is our vocal leader. He's not only our vocal leader, but he's a, a leader by example. He just, you know, he's just an extrovert. He's outgoing, and, you know, he just, he just plays hard every time. Like, I, I, you, got, you have players that are gamers, and you have players that are practice players, and then you kind of have the in-between. Jack's going to leave it all on the field 100% every single, every single game. And just like Mike and Adam and, and other players, that's what they do. But... Um, you know, he, he started every game last year as a center back for us as a junior, and it was really not a hard decision that I knew that he was going to be a captain this year, not just because he's a good soccer player, but because he's a really good person too, and he's somebody that the, the younger players can look up to, and, and he's a good role model. Response, Jack? Hearing that? Um, I mean, it makes me feel really good hearing him say that, but um, I've always tried to, throughout my Liverpool career, try and be a leader. And um, I've worn the captain's armband a lot throughout that, and that means a lot to me because not only am I just representing my team, I'm representing the whole community. So whenever I step out on the field, I just want to give 100% and put it all out there. What does it take, in your opinion, what does it take to be a leader? You just have to be confident and understand that when you're wrong, you're wrong and go up and apologize to people and always work no matter what. Because if you're not working, the people who follow you are not gonna work either because they, they just do what you do, so. Fair enough, so you gotta be willing to work. 
yeah. put your money where your mouth is, so to speak. Yeah. How would you describe this year's team? Spoke with Mike Salinas about the fact that you guys started off the season losing six to seven. Bring me through that. What what were you seeing in your eyes at that point? Um, it was definitely a rough start to the season, and I had noticed that a lot of guys uh, really weren't working as hard as we could, and so I was really trying to start to get on them. And I think, um, obviously, we won four in a row, so by the time we got to the end of the year, I think we finally started to mold together because we have a young team, and a lot of these guys have never played soccer together. Yeah. So finally getting them all together and figuring it out, I think we've been able to show that we can be a really good team and you don't want to play us. So you talked about the young guys finding that mold, finding that. When did it happen, in your opinion? We, we had this conversation before you got up here. Can you name a point where you felt like things started turning in the right direction? Um, I'd say there was, we had an overtime loss at home against CNS. And at that point, to our understanding, we had thought that we had to win the last four games of the season to make sectionals. And it was my senior year, and I was extremely upset because I wanted nothing more than a sec nothing less than a sectional title. And so I think at that point, once he found out that um, we only needed to win three of those four games, it kind of clicked in our heads, and we were like, we need to get this going, we need to get some wins. And so from there on, I just it felt a little different in practice and in the games, and it showed. We ended up winning a few games. So, Coach, making Jackie captain, you, you've talked about you know his growth, his evolution, and whatnot. What have you seen from him this season specifically? as you've gone through some adversity? Well, I have to tell you, Pete, it's not easy to be a captain. It's not easy to separate yourself, and it's not easy to put yourself out there. So, you know, Jack is, um, he wears his emotions on his sleeve, and he can be, you know, fiery at times, which is great. And so him and I would just have some conversations where I would just say, hey, it's okay to hold guys accountable. Um, you know, you got to kind of get after guys a little bit, and you have to talk to them. And, and he's... You know, he, he's kind of put the team on his back a little bit. You know, I don't, we don't really like to single guys out and do things. But, you know, it, reality is, you know, West Tennessee scores two goals. You know, Nottingham, he scores two goals. And then in Henniger, he scores two goals. You know, so in that game, you know, we score seven goals down the stretch, and he's responsible for six of them. Yeah. So he just kind of said, well, I'm going to not only be a leader, you know, but I'm going to score some goals here because we need to score goals. So he's accepted everything that I've asked for him to do. Jack, what was it that started to click with you, in your opinion? You know, being that guy that the team could lean on to score, to get you out of those binds in games like that, like Coach was just mentioning, what was it for you this season? Well, all year I had, I'd started off as a center back, and uh, before I was on varsity, I had played more in midfield, so I was definitely more attacking based. And so eventually I think it got to the point where we needed to win some games, and so we were willing to take some more risks. And so he just threw me up front, and I kind of just did whatever I could do to try and get a win. And I, I just ran as hard as I could all the time, and it ended up working out. And with 12 minutes left in the game against CNS, that we, or West Tennessee, that we had to win, I popped up and scored a header, and then it seemed just from that point on it, we've been flowing, and nothing could really stop us. You needed the win against West Jenny, like you just mentioned. Putting the team on your shoulders, is that something that you feel like you've done before? 
or is this in that moment is that kind of your coming of age story in that game? Well, I mean, I've I've always tried to work really, really hard, and at that point, we just we needed it, and it was my senior year, and I couldn't bear the idea of not getting a chance in sectionals, not getting a chance to show like what we can really do. And so it, I just felt like we needed to win, like no matter what, like nothing else was going to be okay. And we ended up getting that one. There's teams that know that it's, it's do or die situations and they don't come through with it. What is it about this year's team that you were able to gut out that victory? What can you say about maybe the personalities or the growth at that point? What was it? Because you were in a situation where some people rise to the challenge and some teams don't. I think we just, we have a lot of guys who like to have uh, fun a lot of time, but when it comes down to it, I think everyone on the team knew that we wanted to be in sectionals and we did not want our season to end um, that day there. So we just came together and we were able to pull it off. We got a message to you, Coach, that came in here. It says, tell Coach Bonus I knew he would beat FM. They, they meaning you, have been playing playoff soccer for three games and they have a solid team. No surprise to me. Hope to see him a week from now. Yeah, that's from uh, that's from Doug Taylor, whose son is the starting goalkeeper at Beville. Yeah. So he yeah, no Doug. He Good did luck. he did say that. Like he he did make his prediction that we would beat FM, and then we would win and play them in the sectional <coughs> final. So we're not really looking ahead, uh, but I hate to give Doug credit, but he was right. <laughs> Fair enough. That FM game, I want to I want to get into it a little bit deeper, Coach. Just what it, what that game did for you in, in your first season as the head coach at Liverpool to get that victory to be where we are right now, where we're still talking about life in the playoffs. Well, when we started the year, we had said that the goal was sectional finals and then to win sectionals. And you know, then it's kind of like. I use the analogy like you're driving and the further you drive the headlights in the window get a little dimmer and dimmer you know in your rearview mirror get a little dimmer and that was happening when we were three and ten they were distant and it's not for me it's for these these guys who sacrifice six days a week you know and they have to do their academics and they have jobs and they have social lives and college visits and everything else so for them to experience what we experienced on Thursday at FM will be a memory that they'll be able to take with them forever. And for me, it was great to see that because they had worked extremely hard and we didn't have any luck to share it. And when I'd say we didn't have any luck, we didn't have any luck. The ball never bounced our way. Uh, it, we never got a referee's call. I mean, we, we got no luck. So see, at this level, you can, you can say stuff about the referee without getting fined. I like that. I like that I could talk to you about officials and you don't have to say, did you guys see the play? Did you? See, what did you see? And then you can either nod or, because that's what Beheim has to do because he gets fired. Right. So he says, did you see what happened to Joe Girard? And then we say yes. And he goes, well, how did you see it? Well, we thought it was a foul, coach. And then he right. goes, oh, okay, that's a pretty good opinion because you can't get in trouble if you put it to them. But you can talk about it, which is nice. Well... You know, I have to be fair. The refereeing was probably the best I've seen it this year. Okay. Um, but there were a couple of games. CNS is two, two, a team we lost to twice in overtime, and there was a couple of calls that certainly went against us. 
yeah. but we don't like to say that they lost the game for us. I mean, you know, there were certainly other things that happened that we could have controlled better, but yeah. yes, you know, I can openly talk about the refereeing a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as you go on in sectionals, you start to get the, the upper level referees and the better referees. And, um, you know, for, for Jack and Mike with sectionals, it just dawned on me, they have a little bit of unfinished business because unfortunately for them last year, um, you know, Mike was suffering from a concussion and we didn't have him in our sectional semis. Yeah. And then Jack, the day before our sectional semi, had some crazy back spasm and he couldn't play. So um, they definitely did not want to not make sectionals this year. So when you remember that and now you're playing, just to you, is, is this the world writing itself? Is this. Is this, you know, that, I don't want to call it revenge, but the fact that you're on the field this time around. It's definitely revenge. I mean. All right, we can call it revenge. Uh, yeah, we can call it revenge. <laughs> I, it was just a drill, a regular drill in practice and non-contact. I was just running and then I just felt a tweak in my back. Yeah. And I went up on the walk up to the trainers. By the time I got there, I couldn't walk. And I, my mom had never seen me in so much pain. And it was the day before our sexual semifinal, and I tried everything on the next day to get back. And I thought I was okay. I started running quarter of a lap with the team. My back just gave out. And so sitting on the bench and watching CNS, our biggest rivals, beat us in overtime on a golden goal, one nothing. Yeah. was probably the most hurt I'd ever been in any sport. Did you take it personal because you weren't out there? I mean, do you, do you feel that even yeah, more so? 100%, because... I let all those seniors down, and that was their last chance. Don't put it on you. But it's a back spasm. I know, but like me at the center back position, I was out, and we had to move our star midfielder back there and our star striker back in the midfield. And it yes. just, it felt like we had just, I don't know, the air was sucked out of the team, and we just couldn't get forward. And it was like we were just playing for penalties the entire time, and we just couldn't get there. Coach. Jack's sitting here with something he had no control over, saying, I let the team down. I mean, if that isn't leadership, I don't know what is. Well, I was just about to say that's, that's why he's a leader. You know, and it was, uh, you, know, that, it, you know, to make matters worse, it was about 30 degrees and raining last year. So, you know, him and poor Mike were, you know, sitting there doing the best <laughs> they can under about nine blankets last year trying to, trying to stay warm. But, yeah, it, you know, it really is. And that's, I think, I think a lot of the players are – you know, really learning from that and understanding that. And, you know, they sense that from, from Jack and from Mike and from Adam and from Brady and from other the, some of the other seniors that we have on the team as well. So um, they're on a mission right now. And uh, it's going to be really fun when we take the field on Wednesday to see what they bring. Jack, I asked Mike this before we get into rapid fire. What does it mean to you to be a Liverpool Warrior? Um, it, it means everything. It's been my entire life since I was four years old. I Just being able to represent my community and just go out there every day and be able to put on the jersey, there's nothing else like it. And, I, and it makes me sad knowing it'll end soon, but I can be happy when I look back on it and see the years that have gone by and how much I enjoyed them. You and Mike being able to play this time around just what you could say about the bond that, that you guys have in general, but also from the fact that you're both on the field now. It's just, I know that me and Mike are both gonna lay it all out there on Wednesday night, and we, I've never made it past the 
sectional semifinal. Both years I've been in varsity, we lost there. Yeah. And I feel like this year, this is it. We're going to get to that sectional final, and we're going to win that sectional final. Some big words, Coach. I, listen, he's he's the kind of player that can back up his actions. But I like I like his confidence. I like his his positivity for sure. Hot seat time. So Jack, you got to witness what what Mike had to go through. Yeah. Shell. I will give you your first question, and that is, I like this one because because there's a, there's a part of me that actually wants to run for this office because we need to change a lot. So I'm going to ask you this. You're running for president in 2020. Let's just say that's what's happening. Okay. What's the first thing that you change when you become the president of the United States? Probably the first thing that I would change would be we need real leadership in office right now and someone needs to step up and tell people that things are going going wrong. Things are not okay right now with the world. And issues like, I don't know, climate change and immigration, those things need to be addressed and we only have we're destroying our only planet, and there's only so much time left to fix it. And while we're all arguing, trying to figure out a way, we're losing time. And I think that that's profound because it was said a long time ago that we had a window, and once that window shuts... And we keep saying that there's more time, yeah. but now there's not more time, so we need to figure something out there. I like this. You know what? If I do run, you get to be in my cabinet. We're doing that. <laughs> we are doing that. So, Coach. Yeah. If you had a neon sign that flashed above your head everywhere you went, everywhere, and as soon as we talk about it today, it goes up there, and everybody can see it. What does the sign say? Loud. That's it. Loud. Loud. I'm loud. All right. L like you it. could listen. I'm loud. <laughs> okay. I'm just, I just talk loud. I'm loud. Okay. Loud. I like it. What's your What's your one for me? So Jack's mom. Is a Spanish teacher. Okay. So she's sitting in the audience. Yes. Right there. Mrs. Pento. Yes. Can you speak Spanish? I can. No, I'm not fluent. <laughs> but my family is from Spain, part of my family. So my nana, my great grandma, my only great grandparent I got to meet, she was fluent. I can speak it. I can understand it. But when I lived in Florida and I worked at Disney, I had to do it every day because it was like, I get darker. So they thought I was Dominican, Puerto Rican, Mexican. I mean, I was ever so as soon as like it was every single day survival because they needed to know things and didn't speak any English. So, yes, I had to give directions in Spanish and money in Spanish and all that. How's your history? How's my history? Yeah, because that's what I teach in high school. I teach 11th grade U.S. history. How's your history? I would like to say I can hold my own in history. Okay. Let's think of a history question for him, Jack. Oh, boy. I can name every single president in order. Can you? Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah. Can you tell me the only president to serve more than two terms consecutively? More than two terms consecutively. Was, it, was that FDR? It was. Very good. Yeah, there you go. And the only one to serve two terms severally was Cleveland. That's correct. Yes. There you go. Do I get a clap for that? Come on. That's impressive. What's a man got to do? Now, right. but can you tell me the president that died in his bathtub? Wait. 
I can tell you the president that got stuck in the president presidential bathtub and they had to get him out was Taft. Correct. So the president that died in his... That's what I was thinking. He didn't die, but he got stuck. It was Taft. He got stuck in the bathtub. Yes, Taft. Mm -hmm. Claim to fame. <laughs> so, all right, Jack, what's your first one for me? If you could only do one last thing in your life, what would you go and do? If I could only do one last thing. Yeah, so it's your so final leave, day. Right. You know it's your final day. What are you going to do? Oh, my God. That's, my, that's deep right there. That is very deep. <laughs> and I could only do one thing? One thing. One thing. One thing. Oh, my goodness. Oh, boy. I would get everybody that I love the most together, and we would just laugh and tell stories, and just they would spend every last moment that I had to get together with me. That's what I would do. Amazing. So, simple as that. All right, Jack, my next question for you is... If you had a mission statement and it said Jack Pento is, what would the blank be? I'd probably say Jack Pento is fearless and willing to try anything at any point, although it may backfire sometimes. Okay. But the willingness to try is the absence of fear. Exactly. You know what I mean? So I like that. That's awesome. You know, Coach, I would I would put this kid on my team, I think. I think i put Jack on my team. Yeah, you know, he's a three-sport athlete. Basketball and track. Yeah. yeah so he might be back, back up here. Yeah, and I, and I tried to, listen, I tried to get him to quit both just so he could focus on <laughs> soccer, but his parents wouldn't let him. And yeah. you know what? Their plan is working. It is. It's working. Yeah, it's got to be. <laughs> so my next one for you, Coach, is... If you could bring anyone back from the dead to have dinner with them, who would it be and why? Wow. Um, I think I'm bringing... Oh, boy. This is a hard one. I think I'm bringing back JFK. Okay. I'm going to have well, dinner with JFK. All right, why? Well. Well, first of all, if I could go back to a decade and live in the decade, I'd go back to the 60s. Okay. You know, I would love to just sit down and talk with him about his life as president, being president during a time with civil rights and, you know, Vietnam and everything that was going on. And, you know, what's it, like to, what's, it like, what's it like to be a Kennedy, right? You yeah. Know, so I would, I would definitely love to sit down with JFK. All right. I'd also ask him who the second gunman was. Yeah, on the grassy knoll. Yeah, I would ask him that. Yeah. All right. Coach, you got your next one for me. Next one for you. Yes. Um, you got two, Jack. You know the drill, so get them ready. Where did... Oh, where did you go to high school? I went to high school. It's my dad's fault. Don't get mad at me. Nobody get mad. So my father was a graduate of this school, and I got a great education, and I think that there's great... I think Liverpool, and there's so many schools I've been able to talk with, Liverpool and CNS West Jenny, and I went to CBA. And I got, okay. a, got a tremendous education. I love my teachers. And my dad wanted me to kind of follow there. I, if, you, if you said CNS, I think we would have ended the broadcast. Yeah. Oh. CBA is okay, though. But I, I know people all over at all these high schools. Yeah, CBA is okay. I know. All right. All right, Jack, you got two. So you said you're obviously a big sports guy. 
So I, I've been a sportscaster for 17 years, but ironically, I hate sports. Really? Yeah, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> How can I do this so, job? Yes. When you were younger, is there? I'm assuming you played sports, right? I did. I okay. played. I played basketball. Here's a funny thing. I played basketball since I was seven. I got recruited D3 to Marywood, where I went to school, and I should have played soccer. I realized not because I didn't love basketball, but because. There's something to be said about like being Italian and Hispanic, and it's just in your blood. Yeah. So I got past the ball one day, and I'm like, I had no idea what I was doing, and I started doing this and the other thing, and then I coached for a little bit when I got out of college. So, yeah, if I could go back in time, I would have played soccer with basketball, but go with your question. So what would be your most embarrassing sport moment? Oh. <laughs> My most embarrassing sport moment. Can I call it my craziest play? Can I do that one? Yeah, you can do that. Okay, so we were playing flag football and I got a bunch of my listeners together and I said, you know, because I, to me, you don't need egos in this world. So my listeners, I said, if you guys want to play flag football, I'll play flag football, I'll go out on the field and do it. Just a couple of years ago, I did something before Cam Newton did it, what I thought was really cool. I threw a pass and I hit the guy in front of me, I think it was Brian, and I hit him and the ball popped him in the air and everybody thought that I was running, so they went to the left. So I'm on the right side with Brian. Ball hits him, goes up in the air, so I run under it and I catch it, and one of the guys goes like this. Because you can run after, you can't throw it again. So I scored a rushing touchdown off of hitting, the, hitting my pass off of somebody. So that was my most fun play, but most embarrassing, because I'm not going to go around your question, my most embarrassing play. God. I don't know. I don't. It doesn't have to be a play. It could be anything. Most all. embarrassing moment could be anything. Just an embarrassing okay. Moment well, then this sports. is easy. I hope everybody's paying attention. Please chew your food. I hit a Disney cast member with a motorboat when I was 12. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to hear the story? I'd love to. I think okay. everyone does. We want to hear the story. Okay. So. So I was 12 years old because back then when you were 12, it meant that you could operate a boat, which is not a good idea. So, so I go out, and I'm, I'm scared out of my mind. I was short, little kid. And so I get in the boat, and you pull the belt over, which is a rope, and then you have just the forward, reverse, neutral, right? So my buddy goes out. He's in the boat and whatnot. And my lady's in the audience. She doesn't even know this story. You don't know this, do you? Do you? No, okay. So she doesn't even know the story. So I'm telling her right now, so you have to decide if we're still right for each other after this. So, so I go out in the boat, we're coming back in, and my buddy James, so it's an L shape, right? So, so you guys are, are me, you're the boats. So you gotta come like this. It's this L, and then there's a piece of wood. So the boat's about, let's say this big, and the space is like just a little bit bigger. So you got to hook it in perfectly without hitting anything. He brings it in 12 years old, no problem. James, good. I'm out in the water. I start to bring it in. I hit the dock. I back it up. I hit the dock. I move it over. I hit the dock. So she goes back it up. So I got frustrated. I hit it in reverse. I go flying backwards, and I'm watching her eyes the whole time, and she's like, because there's people taking off behind me, so I could have hit anybody. Didn't hit anybody. So she goes, bring it in, and she's talking to James. Now, our parents aren't with us. They're back at the pool. So, because they trusted us together. 
And so she goes, go ahead, bring it in. So I start to bring it in. She goes, neutral. Okay, I put it in neutral. I'm sitting in the water, and I'm just kind of waving in the water, right? I'm doing nothing. So I start to bring it in. She goes, neutral. And I'm like, this is going to take forever. You know, I don't want to pay more money. You can pay for the first hour. So I bring it in, and she starts to, she's ignoring me, and I'm coming in a little bit too hot, right? So she said three final words. Neutral, neutral, <laughs> neutral! And I came right at her, and I hit it in overdrive. I freaked out. I got scared. So I hit the thing in overdrive. I go flying toward her. I hit the dock. I go up in the air. She puts her body under like this. The boat comes down, not like on her, on her, but like kind of on her. And so she's underneath the boat. She gets up. I'm looking at her, and I'm in the water. Like, I'm half in the water, so I'm just doing this in the water. And I'm like, how do I get out? Because I'm angled. She somehow pushes the boat down. I still fall. Guess where I am? Not in the middle of where I'm supposed to be. Still. I'm still blocked. She pulls me out of the boat one arm. I ran, cried. Everybody thought it was hysterical. And I'm pretty sure she quit that day because I never saw her again. But I hit someone with a boat before who lived to tell the tale. I'll Impressive. say that that's an embarrassing moment. And then you later got a job at Disney World. And then I lay, yeah, I later worked. They should have made you one of those workers at the dock. Yeah, I know. They were good to me. They treated me well. I don't know what it was. So you got one more, Jeff, before um, you go. Kind of on the same uh, topic of the embarrassing story. Yes, um, sir. Is there, because people have moments where when you think of, when you think of them, you yeah. just cringe. Okay. Do you have any moment that when you think of it, you just immediately cringe? Any moment in my life? Yeah. That I think about it and I yeah, cringe? Yeah, you just cringe and it's, it's awful. Oh, my God. Uh, that's such like an open question, you know? Could be anything. It's got to be with my life? Could be anything with your okay. life. That, ma <laughs> that makes... Anything that you did that you, you just look back on, you're like, why did I do that? And, oh. And it just makes you cringe. Ew. Okay. We're getting like Dr. Phil today. Okay. <laughs> A moment that makes me cringe. This is tough. Hmm. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think here. I would say. Okay. All right. Again, I'm going to tell a story, and it's and it's live on Facebook, so it's going to be it's going to be in the world forever. So, I really had to go to the bathroom, and there was nowhere to go to the bathroom, and so I was supposed to be helping out at a charity run, run walk in Pennsylvania, and I had to drive from here to Scranton. So I got there, and there was a car full of four nuns that was pulling in behind me. So they went one way. And I went to my passenger side door and I opened the door and thought, well, I, I got to go to the bathroom. So I started to go to the bathroom with the door, pretending like I was looking for something. And it ended up on a hill, start to come back toward me. There, so there's three problems, okay? The first one was I peed on an angle. The second problem was I had to, I had to, I, I had a lot. So I couldn't just zip and go, right? And then the, the, the third problem was of everywhere they could have parked, while I'm going to the bathroom looking forward, the car full of four nuns came around the parking lot and pulled right across from me, and they were dead staring me while I was peeing behind my door. 
Shell, I'm sure that God and I are going to have a talk about that at yes, some point. Yes. Shell, thank you, Jack. Please get off. You, you need to. You need to leave. You need to go. You've asked me two hard questions. Sorry, sorry. Jack Penson. No, give him a round of applause. He's an awesome kid. Yeah. Coach Paul Bonus. We got one more set. We'll be back in just a moment. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. Hi, friends and fans. Home Team Pub is the place to be to cheer on your fave home team. Located at 7990 Oswego Road in Liverpool, HTP has you covered with an amazing drink selection. Let's not forget about the signature drinks or those kid-approved gourmet milkshakes. The happy hour specials and pub entrees will have your mouth watering. Check out the website, hometeampub.com, or follow us on Facebook and Instagram for more specials. At Home Team Pub, you're always the MVP. All right, we are back here live for the final set. I am Dan Tortora of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. We're at the Home Team Pub, 7990 Oswego Road in Liverpool, New York, every single month, once a month, and you can find out how or find out when when you go to Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, Twitter at Call DT, and Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT. We will give you the information on when you can find us here every single month. A different sports program. We've had the superintendents here. We've had Ari Lieberman here sitting in with us. So Liverpool Athletics every month exclusive show right here at the Home Team Pub brought to you by Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. The final set, we have head coach Paul Bonus back with us. It is the Liverpool boys soccer special for the Warriors. Adam Ritter is here with us for the first time. And as we did with the other captains, can we give a round of applause for Mr. Ritter here? Show Ritter some love. All right, Adam. I will have to say that of all the guys best dressed right now, I like, I like, the, uh, I like the zip up here. I would have to thank Mrs. Pento for that one because she yelled at me for not wearing Liverpool stuff when I got here. Okay, so, so did she, she find this for you? It was in my car. I don't okay. have to go get that. All right, fair enough. So you've heard your teammates talk. You've heard your fellow captains talk about what's going down this season. What can you say about how the season started, losing 6-7, and where you are right now winning four in a row? Well, first I'll start off with last year. Last year in September, we went basically undefeated for the whole entire month. And coming into this year, losing the majority of our games in September and only winning a few of them is a big change. And going in towards the later end of the season, we had to win three games. And going up to that point, we haven't even won two games in a row at a single point in the whole entire season. So us being able to pull three wins together and four now, going on to five, is pretty amazing for us. And what can you point to that you feel helped this turnaround, in your opinion? I mean, what I feel helped the turnaround is that we were out of time. We had to win. Our backs were up against the wall. If we lost, our season was basically over, and we'd be playing for nothing. So the feeling of if we lose, this is over for us. This is our last year for me and Jack, both captains and seniors. We had nothing left to you know, lose, basically, at this point. We have to keep winning and keep advancing if we want to play more. For you, the back against the wall coach was talking about the West Jenny game. But really, you know, these last few games, everything has been in that situation. You got to win, you got to keep going, and now you're in a situation where it's single elimination, but you felt that before the playoffs. Just what you saw, how this team responded, that when you had your back against the wall, like you said, you hadn't won two in a row all the way through, and now you got four in a row. What happened to this team when the back was against the wall toward the end of the season? 
Well, I feel like we just didn't want to turn in our jer jerseys earlier than we had to. We want to extend the season as far as we possibly can. Even though practice might be a bit of a drag every single day, sometimes we might not want to go. But at the end of the day, we always really want to be there, and we want to keep practicing because when the time's over, you'll miss it, and we'll all be very sad that it's done. Jack talked about not being out there last year for the playoffs. Mike wasn't out there as well. What does it mean to you to be not only a captain with both of them, but to have them out there on the field this year? Well, it's great because last year, them not being on the field was a big um, dent to our team because missing a center back for a whole entire game and missing an outside back is a big part of your team. Defense always comes first, in my opinion. You have to be able to defend before it gets four, as you can see from last game. Us playing defense so well kept us in the game and allowed us to go to penalties in order for us to win. Coach, you, you've heard Adam talk about so many different pieces through his eyes. What can you say about what you've seen from him as a captain? Adam, um, Adam has a, uh, a great way to look at the game. He, uh, he's going to be a coach someday, and I, and I mean that in every uh, it, meaningful, purposely. I, I mean that he uh, is, looks at the game. He can, you know, see it, comes, talks to me, hey, coach, what about this? What about that? Um, you know, he has meaningful conversations with his dad, who, who coaches for a long time as well. Um, but Adam is, we call him kind of like the next president. You know, I mean, that's what he sort of brings in leadership quality, that he's the organizer of it. He's, um, he's the guy that just kind of gets in everybody's face and says, do your job, get it done. You have balls, you, you got to get the balls, you got to get the cones, you got to get the water, you have to get this, and you have to get that. And um, so to have him around has been really good. But he, he just has a really unique way of looking at the game. Adam, you hear those words from your head coach. Response? I mean, it feels great for him seeing so highly of me. I've been trying to be a nice leader on the team the whole entire year, trying to uh, direct the team in the right direction, trying to make sure things get done. It's, sometimes it's little things that really matter to help your team get on the right path to go the right way. Coach said that you are unafraid to get in everybody's face and kind of say, do your job, do what you got to do. Do you feel that your teammates listened throughout, or is that something that you earned over time, that when you said something, they said, you know what, this is coming from a caring place, a good place, we're going to listen to it? I mean, with such a young team, I still have to get in their face sometimes because it's still hard to get their attention sometimes, but they eventually get along with what I have to say, and things eventually get done in the way they need to be. As you can see, things are getting done the past couple of weeks for us. Absolutely, and, and for you... I asked Mike about this, I asked Jack about this. For you, what does it mean to be a Liverpool Warrior? How would you describe it? Well, first of all, being a Liverpool Warrior, we represent our school wherever we go, inside of school, outside of school, different school events. The community always looks back to us and to our coach, because what we do, wearing our uniforms, at our games, the way we act, the way we carry ourselves. Um, after the FM game, a few of our guys went and helped pick up some of the FM players after they lost, because that must have been a deep place. Like of sadness for them, losing their senior year, they're done, they're over, there's nothing left for them to do, and they're just sad. Us helping them pick them up is really a, a big thing. What did that mean to you and the importance of that, to not just celebrate your victory, but to be there for your opponent, because that's not something that you commonly see out there? I mean, after watching my dad games for most of my life at this point, Seeing the sadness after losing a game in sectionals and being done for the season really had an impact on me on watching. So I felt like I needed to go like lift the guys up to make sure 
like they're doing all right because it's not a very fun place to be. You never want to be in that place because it's, you're done. What'd you say to them? What'd you say to them? Well, I just, I just try to pick them up, get them off the ground, try to condolence them as much as I possibly could because they're probably not listening too much, but in some way they're listening, they're helping. It might make them feel a little bit better just trying to get them up off the ground. Coach, your team wins, advances, and then goes to the opposition and, like Adam said, lifts them up and says, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. You know, I hope you guys are doing okay. You're going to get through this. It's going to – to see your team not just celebrate but to go to the other team and say, we're, you know, in some way, shape, or form, we're here for you even though this game – I mean, it's more than a game, so to speak. I was uh – I was super proud of them for doing that. Um, there was young, one young man on the other, the FM team that missed the penalty kick that ended the game, and you know he'll have to kind of live with that for a long time. Yeah. And so you know when our guys were done celebrating, you know four or five of our guys went over to him and you know tried to pick him up, and they did that with other players too. And uh, to me, that exemplifies um, you know what Liverpool Athletics is all about. Something that you know Ari Lieberman has tried to instill, and you know it's kind of in the you know, the expectations of what we do in sportsmanship, and it's an expectation of what our program is about, too. So I was super proud of them, uh, of they did that. We talked about it the next day of practice, how happy I was that they did that, because it really just shows a sign of respect for your opponent, too. Because uh, it could have been one of our guys, too. Could have very easily been one of our guys that could have been laying on the ground and we missed. And um, so I was super, super proud that they did that. We hear it all the time that, you know, when there's a student athlete, there's so much emphasis on the athlete. But when you have players that are going and doing what they did in that FM game, we're seeing the student side of it too. We're seeing that teachable moment that they're teaching people that are watching, teaching adults how to be good to their opposition, people that differ from them. Just what you can say about building good young men and not just good young men who play soccer. Well, you know, one of the things that I've learned from coaching for so many years is that relationships is key to everything. So establishing a relationship with every player on the team is important. You know, taking a couple of minutes to talk to them about their day and find out what's going on and what's happening is important in, in their world, too. You know, just as much as it's important in your world. And I think, you know, a lot of what these guys have is not necessarily for me but it's a, a product of the environment that they have at home and a product of what their parents have instilled in them as well so you know for me to see them do what they did with those players at fm you know i wasn't surprised because they are a great group of young men um they all have big expectations and it was just really good to see but yeah it was the student part of it it was the it was the personal side of it and a lot of these guys play together on club teams. They play together against each other year-round, so they know each other. There's a relationship there. So I think they felt, you know, that kind of soccer bond and athlete bond to do that. Fair enough. Todd seat time. I asked Adam if he was going to be ready for this. You got three, coach has two. My first one for you, Adam, is it's going to be a three-parter. This is, this is one that's been in the toolbox for a while. You can go anywhere in the world. Pick the place that you're going to. You've never been there before, so pick a destination. You can take one person that you know and one celebrity. Go ahead. 
Well, first of all, the place I'd want to go is London, England, because I'd want to go see uh, a nice Premier League game, and I'd most likely bring my dad because he loves soccer as much as I do, and we both watch those games every single Saturday. Um, for the celebrity, Harry Kane would be playing in the match, Justin. Um, for the celebrity, I'd probably choose one of my favorite baseball players of all time, Mark Deshera, even though he's a baseball player. Okay. He was a person I always looked up to as a kid, and I'd like to meet him again. Awesome. Meet him again, so you got an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I got to meet him when I was younger. I made a dream team. It was as part of his charity, and I won a contest and got flown down to New York City to see him. Well, so let's expand on that a little bit. How awesome was that experience for you? That was one of the best days of my life so far, getting to go in Yankee Stadium Field, shaking his hand, having dinner with him and other people after. That experience can never be replicated for me. And mostly because he's not playing, but I'd still love to get to meet him again. That's awesome. I like that. Coach, if you were not coaching soccer, what would you be doing right now? Uh, well, what time is it? Uh, let's see, it's 7.20. So at the bonus house right now, it would be uh, either packing lunches or reading time with my three kids. Uh, you know, spending time with my, spending time with my kids. They're so busy and that stuff. But honestly, I, I'd have to be coaching to do doing something. I've been doing it for a long time, but yeah. I'm not really sure what else I would be doing, to be honest with you. Just tr probably trying to spend a lot of time with my family. Fair enough. I like it. Awesome answers coming in here. Coach, you got one for me now. Worst job. Well, I have two questions for you. Okay. Okay, so since you put her in play, your girlfriend? Yes. Okay. So... You put her in play, right? Because yeah, you said did. she was here. I did. Okay. I put myself on the hot seat. So asked, how long have you been dating? Oh, my God. It's been four months and change, right? It's been four, yeah, four months and change. Now, listen, I'm not trying to get you in trouble. Yeah. Okay, very good. And what's um, the worst job you've ever had? That had nothing to do with the same thing. No, I'm still going. I'm not done. Okay. So, the worst job I've ever had? Yeah. God. The worst job I ever... You know what? I'm not going to say the name of the company, but there is a sports company that I worked for that I said if I ever worked for this company, I thought I'd regret it. I was not a fan by any stretch of the imagination. And it wasn't ESPN. So, because I loved working with ESPN. So. I was going to say, was it ESPN? It was not ESPN. Okay. So, and I, I chose to start my company almost eight years ago, but it was after having some interesting time with this other company. So. Um, I have one more question. Okay, so who's been the best Liverpool team, honestly, that you've interviewed? That I've interviewed? Up here. Uh, you're all different. You all have different personalities, which is awesome. I would say the most thoughtful questions and deep questions, and I'm not saying this because you're here, but the deepest questions have been tonight. And, Mike, because you have spoken tonight and the world has heard you, I feel that I feel like we share a bond now. So, no, but honestly, this, is, this has been a lot of fun because it's been a very... We, we've laughed, we've thought really deep about stuff. I feel like I feel like you guys have kind of set the bar from here. So I like that. That's awesome. I like that. All right, go ahead. 
Adam. All right, so I have a pretty deep one for you. Is there any broken bonds, relationships, or friendships you wish you could get back that you've lost? Hmm. Any broken bonds that I wish I could get back? Hmm. A lot of the bonds that were broken came from people on the other side. I'm not, I'm not the person to walk away that's, that's not me, unless it's, unless it's not healthy, if it's toxic. So there are some people in my family that broke away from my mom and I, and there was no reason for it, there's no explanation for it, and there's really no respect for the decision. So I won't say that I wanna fix it because I didn't break it, but it's kind of ridiculous that there's people in my family that have been so poor to my mom and poor to me. And my mother and I were very, very good to those people. So it would be great if, if that didn't happen. But I also know that they're toxic. And as long as they are the way they are, I know that we're better off. So. Adam, that was so deep, man. Listen, we, it, we weren't even sure what to expect when we got here, so these are all off the cuff, just so I you're aware. I know. I know. But now you know, like... I thought it was going to be like, name the top three places you went streaking, and I got five, so... <laughs> but uh, that's a joke. It's a joke. Did you notice that half of Adam's beard is missing? Yeah, what happened? This side, all right. So on the bus ride to... Uh, well, a security guard a couple days ago joked about it before the match. She okay. was like... If you guys beat FM, you have to shave off half your beard. So then, I wasn't really thinking about it because of her, but then I told Jack Penta, one of our other captains on the bus right there, if we win tonight, half of it's gonna go when I get home. Yeah. And I stuck with my word, and when I got home, I like it. half of it's gone. See, that's good though. He's a man of his word. And I think, and I've thought of that before, shaving half when I had the full, and then you could be two-faced. So <laughs> I, think, I think that's your Halloween. I mean, I think you can pull it off right now. I like it. I do like it. I like that you're a man of your word. So, keeping with that notion, being a man of your word, Coach said that he could see you running for president. What are the, the first three things that you would set in motion in office as president of the United States? Uh, this, one, this is a tough question, probably just as tough as yours, but um, some of the first things that I'd like to do is probably... Um, reform some of the spending in the government. I know that might sound boring, but how much we're in debt in the country is a big problem because we can't keep spending with a deficit like that. That'll eventually have to end. Yeah. Um, I agree. Secondly, I'd probably like it to make the government a little bit smaller. I feel like it's bigger than it needs to be and things get done a lot smaller and a, more efficient than it has, has been for recent years. All right, I'm voting for you two-thirds of the way. What's the, bring it home. What's the last one? Uh, third, I would like to uh, build better relationships with other countries, but I feel like diplomacy with other countries could really boost our economies plus other economies also because friendship will lead to less wars and better economic trading and will help boost other economies that might be third-world countries. So that would really help the entire Earth as a whole. All right, so when you're done coaching, you're going to run for president, right? Sure. Okay. All right. Fair enough. You got the two final ones for me. What do you got? Uh, what was your best high school sports moment? When I hit a three from almost half court, because I, I love shooting threes, and I didn't know where I was. 
I honestly did. I got out into the game, and I was on I was on the left side, left elbow, and I came down the, the court, and everybody's court was different. Some were big, some were small. We were playing on like a, a mid-sized one, it was good size. So I was closer to half than I was to the three-point, and my buddy Matt passed me the ball, and he goes, shoot it. And I wanted to shoot it, but I wasn't looking at where I was. So I let it go, and I heard all the parents go, no, 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 yeah! So, because it went in. So I, I remember that I'll never forget that I shrugged my shoulders, and I just laughed, and I had some fun, and Matt looked at me, and he goes, I told you to shoot it. So he took some credit for it. So I would say that's probably my favorite one. What's your last one? All right, so if your house is on fire, what is the one family treasure that you would like to take out of that house that you could keep forever? Oh. Wow. Well, there's two things that I bring everywhere, and I can't choose between the two, and you'll know why in a second. So every place I've ever lived, I take these two things. My grandfather's that I mentioned earlier, there was a forklift, because after my grandfather was in the military, he worked for Miller, the brewing company, and he, was, he was worked on the forklift. So I'll never forget that when he got his cake on his retirement, he pulled the cake out, and he handed, it to, he handed the uh, forklift out of the cake to me, and when he passed away, I got to keep that. And I got my grandfather's Navy hat from World War II with his name in it. So anywhere I go, those are the two things that I take with me no matter where I live. So it would have to be those two. I was going to say maybe the TV and the remote that you watch wrestling on. Yes. Maybe you still have that? Yeah, maybe that. I would take my Netflix with me somewhere. <laughs> I got to do something. So Walking Dead, whatever, you know, AMC and all the good stuff. But with that being said, Adam Ritter, tremendous questions. Coach Paul Bonus, you were here the whole time. I, you know, I greatly appreciate you asking us to come up here. It's been it's been great. Uh, just adds to uh, you know what a great year it's been so far. And you know, I want to thank the parents for coming out and supporting us that are here. And uh, it's uh, you know we're really looking forward to to Wednesday. And uh, I've learned I've had a great year so far with these guys, and we're going to keep it going. That's for sure. Yeah. And uh, this is a great opportunity. Thank you. Well, I mean, I want to thank you all because without teams and, and people that care and parents that care and family and, and coaches that do and, and young men and women that are willing to go out there and fight and put yourself on the line all the time, I would have nothing to talk about. So I have to thank you for this opportunity because setting out to do something nice for Liverpool only works if Liverpool responds. So for the people that have come out and the people that have supported and the people that will, I want to thank you all. So, and I want to thank Mike Salinas. I want to thank Jack Pentel. I want to thank Adam Ritter. To all the student-athletes we've had, to all the parents and alumni and, and everyone and all the coaches like you, Coach. It, it's You guys make this what it is. So there is no show without Liverpool doing amazing things. And how about this? I'm going to put this on the line here. You guys keep winning. How would you like to come back and talk about the... I'm not trying to put anything out there. I'm not trying to make you prognosticate. But if it happens, how would you like to come back to talk about a championship that's well-deserved? Would you like to Absolutely. Do right. What do you Definitely. think? Should they come back? Do we have yeah. And you know, I'll tell you what. When, when we come back, this is going to make his ego big, but I'm going to do it anyways. When we come back, we'll, we'll get Dan, our goalkeeper. Okay. He's a senior. We'll, we'll let Dan come up and say a few words. Okay. okay. And so I do want to say that, you know, Dan is a senior and played very, very well in our game Tuesday, or Thursday against FM. He did a, lot of, did a lot of great things. So we'll get Dan up here, and hopefully Brady will be, Brady should be better by that time, and we can get him up here. But we'll get Dan up here to, to talk a little bit.
Dan played so well that my son wanted his autograph. That's awesome. You signed it? All right, fair enough. So with that being said, Liverpool Athletics every single month right here brought to you by Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora at Home Team Pub. So make sure you stay tuned with what's coming up here in November. And once again, a round of applause for Liverpool Boys Soccer, the Warriors, keeping it going. Thank you so much. Get home safe. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you very much.